Welcome to another session with the Market Dominance Guys, a program exploring all the high stakes, speed bumps, and off ramps of driving to the top of your market with our host, Chris Beal from Connect and Sell, and Corey Frank from Branch 49. Susan Finch here. I am sitting in for Corey Frank on Market Dominance, guys. I'm with Chris Beal. And he tossed out some topics that we are going to be tackling one by one. And the first one we're going to be covering is prospecting costs on return on investment, which means dollars spent, dollars missed. So, Chris, let's just get right into these because I am really excited. And I know you're excited because then I will stay off your case to record shows for a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a few things going on, Susan, so this will be great. <laughs> but this is one of my favorite topics. I'm kind of a fanatic about this. And I keep finding myself thinking, oh, other people must think like this about prospecting. And then I get the same blank stares over and over, which indicates to me maybe they don't. So... What I find is when folks are thinking about prospecting, they're thinking about things like efficiency, like, well, how many dials does it take to get a conversation? Or how many emails does it take to get somebody to open an email or to act on an email? Or what's our conversion rate when people come to the website? So there's a lot of rates and ratios that go on. And to me, none of that has anything to do with business. The denominator in business is always time. So... Time is the thing you can't do anything about other than get as much out of it as you can possibly get out of it, right? Money, you can go get more money. You can get talent. You can have ideas. You might even wake up being creative one day. I highly advise just go back to sleep. But you can't really do anything about time. And the main thing is, we have a whole show that's dedicated to this, is time is overhead. So it's eating up your costs. It is the thing that just basically, if you just sit around and do nothing, if you don't prospect, then you don't have a pipeline. If you don't have a pipeline, then you don't have future business. And if you don't have future business, then out in that future, you don't have gross profit to cover your overhead and you will go out of business eventually, or, you know, sell in a fire sale or whatever. So one part of prospecting is obvious, which is In as little time as possible, you need to build as much pipeline as possible. And pipeline built now is worth more to your business than pipeline built tomorrow. So going fast actually counts because of the nature of overhead. I think we used the phrase once, overhead is like a racehorse that you buy, like a racehorse that eats while you sleep. It's (laughs) always absorbing your bank account. Regardless. And Susan, you run a small business and you know the feel, right? This is why business owners act differently from agents. Agents never feel this the same way. Even CFOs don't feel it at the same level. So that's part of it. But with prospecting, there's another hideous cost that shows up. And this is multi-dimensional cost. That's like the worst of the worst. And it's opportunity cost. Mm-hmm. So In the world that you can't quite see from inside your own business, there are out there multiple competitors. There are competitors like you, and then there are folks just solving problems themselves. And then there's folks putting off solving problems, which gives time for a competitor like you to come in, or for that person who thought maybe it was worth solving to go away, and now that company won't even bother to solve that problem. 
So time is your enemy in this other dimension, which is the dimension of opportunity cost. And the, so I'm so glad you brought that up. Oh my gosh, I was the whole time you're talking about this, I was thinking constantly that silent behind the scenes in your sleep race against your competitors, which is where yeah. time, what are they doing? How are they handling it? Are they more efficient with their time than I'm being with my time? That's pretty much it. And so to me, that says that prospecting return on investment, that the investment is in time, how mm -hmm. much you're getting per hour. And now you come down to, well, you got to break it down. It's not just per hour of the day, but it's per hour of prospecting capacity. So what is prospecting capacity? Well, it's somebody, a person generally, doing something that raises the probability that within a fixed period of time or a known period of time or an average period of times, some other buddy, somebody out there in the world will engage and be willing to learn from you how you might be able to help them solve a problem that they have that they would pay for. So when you look at it that way, you're now down to a person in your organization. Mm -hmm. So that person is essentially being paid by the hour, no matter how you pay them, right? You can always go back and divide it up and go, oh, it was so much per hour. In my case, as we well know, it's what we call a burger flipper wage, but we have other wages <laughs> that we could be paid. So here we have this hour of this person's time has gone by. I call it a rep hour or prospecting mm -hmm. hour. So how much pipeline did you build? Well, that's often treated as a big mystery. Like, oh, how could we possibly know? And the answer is, it's not that hard. You go to your CRM, you pull out the opportunities, you find out which opportunities were influenced by the actions of this person. So the easiest one is a conversation. Did a person on our team have a conversation with somebody on the customer's team that preceded the opportunities close date? Why do I say close date instead of create date? Because opportunities get influenced not just to get created, but along the way. There's a number of interactions that'll occur and everyone counts. So trying to figure out which ones count is a big mistake because then it's like, well, was it that conversation? Was it this other conversation? Was it the, you go crazy doing that stuff. What you want to know is in aggregate is the investment that I made in these people and whatever else I bought for them. So like if they were working with us, maybe they, who knows, maybe they graced them with the opportunity to talk to many people an hour using Connect and Sell. Or maybe there's some other thing, an ad budget or whatever that you spend. But whatever that stuff is, just go back from the opportunities backward in time and go back and find out what did you spend on that you paid for by the hour? That's people that influenced these opportunities. Now it's a simple matter of division. By the way, numbers that can be achieved, and I have a big long list of customers of ours who achieve these numbers, you can achieve numbers like $10,000 an hour of pipeline building. If your pipeline coverage then is say, everybody says three to one, but say it's more realistically four or five to one. So say it's five to one, you're actually getting $2,000 an hour of future revenue out of that particular rep while they're prospecting. So now the question is, well, how much of their time are they spending prospecting? General answer. Once you know that you could be getting $2,000 per prospecting hour, probably not enough you probably undervalue their prospecting time because you've never put a dollar number on it. Multiply that 2,000 an hour times your, uh, your gross margin. So say you're running a gross margin of 
right? So now it's $1,400 an hour of opportunity. This is opportunity cost, by the way, because pipeline represents opportunity that you're giving up to somebody else to go out and win that business. Mm. So every hour spent prospecting is a valuable hour, more valuable generally than time spent closing. Closing is something that happens relatively naturally if you have enough in the pipeline. But I tell you for sure, deals that don't ever go into the pipeline, they don't ever close. Oh, wait a minute. They do. Somebody else closes them. You're right. You're right. People get so worried about the last piece of it all, or not the last, but the first closing. Right. Because we always want to keep going and keep closing on more things as we go along, but they get so focused on that that they forget that they have to keep replenishing and keep replenishing and revisiting and reconnecting and all the pieces that all comes down to great conversations. Yeah, there's none of it is none of it is is easy and very little of it happens at the end that counts. Right. You know what people are like, though, we all like highlight reels, right? Nobody, nobody has a video of Michael Jordan practicing dribbling with his eyes closed when he was in high school. That should be on a, a highlight reel. It's the shot made at the buzzer. And then we all go, well, that must be where the game is being played. Well, no, the rest of the game was being played both off the court and on the court. And almost none of it was the shot at the buzzer. Right. right. You have to set stuff up. And your prospecting is how we set stuff up. And unfortunately, or fortunately, the thing I like about business, actually, I like competition a lot, as some people who know me know. That's somebody once said, that's why you can afford to be such a nice person, isn't it? Yes. We'll be back in a moment after a quick break. Selling a big idea to a skeptical customer, investor, or partner is one of the hardest jobs in business. So when it's time to really go big, you need to use an uncommon methodology to gain attention, frame your thoughts, and employ a successful sequencing that is fresh enough to convince others that your ideas will truly change their world. From crafting just the right cold call screenplays to curating and mapping the ideal call list for your entire TAM, Branch 49's modern and innovative sales toolbox offers a guiding hand to ambitious organizations in their quest to reach market dominance. Learn more at branch49.com. And we're back. Yes, because I'm actually out of my mind. <laughs> With regard to competitiveness, it's okay. I can afford it. Nice. But what I love about business is that the rules are simply the rules of nature and the law. And to some degree, social propriety. You know, Elon Musk is demonstrating to us that perhaps that last one doesn't count at all. But and he's doing okay. Last I checked, he's made more than 100 bucks. Right? So it's really interesting when you think about what field you're playing on. 
it's a field that you are actually discovering while you're playing the game. You're discovering it by talking to people primarily. So prospecting does one more thing, which is really interesting. And that is it puts you in contact with the real world that you need to deal with. And it puts your organization in contact. Literally, the number of conversations you're having and the quality of those conversations times each other is going onto your balance sheet. That's actually going in as goodwill. That's what goodwill actually means. (laughs) It's like the folks, uh, ultimately, it's the market that will do business with you times your gross margin attenuated off into the future because of the cost of money and a bunch of other stuff that business people think about. But when you come right down to it, that's going on to your balance sheet. If you're having more conversations, you're actually becoming not just a better company in terms of your ability to do business. That is not just something that's going to be on your P&L, but it's actually going on your balance sheet as goodwill. You ever wonder what goodwill is? It's all those folks that you've talked with that would do business with you preferentially to somebody else. I had an interesting thought about that too. I teach podcasting classes. You guys teach things, you train. And the other piece of that goodwill, when we help somebody, when we teach, when we present, the questions that come back, unless you're having those conversations with everybody, you would have never heard all these other perspectives too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I, it's like, man, I wouldn't have even thought of that. And it's some unique situation, but suddenly it's applicable to many people, which adds to our value, which adds to our prospecting success because we have more to bring to them. So conversations, just because they don't end up in our CRM immediately, doesn't make them not valuable. Yeah. And I think they should go in the CRM in the sense that, uh, we should be thinking about what we're doing, what we're influencing, but also about what we're learning. And all this conversational AI out there is actually quite interesting in that regard. My new favorite thing is to get an email, which I get now, from a conversational AI product. It's Chorus. And it sends me an email synopsis of every meeting that's had in the company. It takes me less than 30 seconds to read one of those. It would have taken 30 minutes to go to the meeting. And I can get about 90% of the meeting value out of those 30 seconds. And I don't have to go to an app to fetch it. They kindly send it to me as a summary in an email that if I want to click through and listen to it, fine. You know, I always say that it's the tone of voice, the cadence, the prosody, all that stuff that makes a difference. But the fact is, once I know my reps, I know what their voice is like. Right? Now I'm trying to get down to what's happening next. Do we actually have a next step? Is the next step one that I would anticipate or am I going to learn something new because some surprising next step shows up? And it's amazing how good those summarizers are. ChatGPT showed it. It'll summarize anything, right? You and I had it summarize podcasts and it did a great job, right? Didn't make a great book, but made a book in two days, which (laughs) saved a lot of time. But that wasn't the point. That wasn't the point. <laughs> yeah, I know. I loved it when somebody called it a cheap cash grab. I'm going, so where's the cash? <laughs> yeah, so it's it's pretty interesting. But when I think about ROI for prospecting, the investment is the dollars you're spending for the people who are doing the prospecting and any tools and data that you provide them with. The R is in the pipeline. The pipeline needs to be attributed back to the conversations in order to connect the R, the return to the I. And the surprising route, which... Uh, the value that comes to you in your pipeline is going to take is 
the route that didn't go through a meeting. So we always think conversations lead to meetings, meetings lead to discovery meetings, discovery meetings lead to demos, blah, 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 whatever it is in your world, right? As you're selling. But in fact, what really happens is conversations lead to somebody knowing that you're worth checking out. And it's so cheap now to check folks out. They're going to check you out. They're going to check your company out just during the conversation. If you want to be super extra brilliant and getting a high return on investment, instead of having your rep just send them a follow-up email, by the way, most first conversations and follow-up conversations that are done through cold calling, they get zero email afterward. That it's the one email somebody will always open. Thank you for our conversation today. And nobody bothers to send it, which I find shocking. So, well, they didn't take the meeting with me. They must not be interested. It's like, do you actually believe that their company might benefit from your solution? Then send them the email. But if you want to be super brilliant, here's like the pro tip to end all pro tips. And that is, have the boss send the email. So set your automation up so when your SDR or BDR has the conversation, an email comes from the boss with the personalization from the conversational AI that listened to the conversation. And it has a subject matter, a subject line that says, thank you for speaking with my colleague today. Who's not going to open that? And you're a gracious boss. You're like a love your team kind of person. Like, or something, you know, I mean, I don't know if you love your team like she does, but at least you're kind of on the board, you know, and these things are straightforward to do with modern automation and they're not what's being done. What we tend to do is instead of having a conversation, we tell people to do a lot of research because that's easy. Also, there's two things that are easy. Following up is easy. That requires a little thought. Research is easy and requires no thinking whatsoever. You just look at one thing and look at another thing and look at another thing, draw some conclusion about somebody, you know, I'm going to talk to Chris Beal about Arizona State University because he went there, go Sun Devils. Little do they know. <laughs> you know. I also went to the University of Arizona, so uh, go cats. <laughs> I got a, like a fight going on maybe between devils and cats. Do you want to be in here? I don't think so. Devils and cats all together in the same brain. No. So don't talk to me about the devils and the cats, but you think you accomplished something with that research. If you just call me out of the blue and tell me that you've discovered a breakthrough about something I care about, might care about, maybe I'll give you a few minutes, right? So as we think about ROI, we need to really break it down. It's like, what is that person doing that starts with a conversation and ultimately leads to engagement? where the engagement is expressed in the CRM as an opportunity. And by the way, don't just count the closed one. This is another huge mistake folks make in ROI land. They go, oh, all that counts is the closed one. Really? Does your business run on magic? Is this Hogwarts? I mean, you don't get to wave a magic wand and make business come into being. You have to actually go find folks who are, first of all, fundamentally qualified to buy your product. And secondly, in market now. Now, only one-twelfth of your market's in market now. So 11 twelfths of the time, you have to fail anyway. So now we're down to what are you going to do with the remaining 8.66%? Because that's all you got. In this quarter, all you've got is one-twelfth of your market. So uh, it's not a magic wand thing. It's actually got to talk to a whole bunch of folks. So it's, it's, very, 
It's so interesting to me when I talk to somebody who says, well, I'm a bottom line guard. Or it's always a guy, by the way. Thank God. It is. Say this. You know, all I care about is results. Like, really, you think if you pound your fist on the table long enough, something will happen or hard enough, you fire <laughs> enough people or whatever. You know? I, I don't think it works like that. I think you actually, it's, it's like being, you know, a, a, I'll go back to basketball. It's like being a, a John Wooden or something. You have to break it down. Yeah. You have to break it down. And it's going to come down to a person doing something with the limited time they have. And you need to be able to go measure what happened looking backward from the opportunity to that thing that they did. And my guess is the best thing for them to do is to hold a conversation with somebody who might be worth engaging in your business. Fantastic. Oh, Chris, this was perfect. So we're wrapping up prospecting costs on return investment dollars spent dollars missed. I think you have told us all the ways we've been missing it, the way we're not thinking properly. We need to rethink what it actually means and the value and importance of pipeline, not closed deals, not signed contracts. That isn't what keeps you going because once those are done, they're done. And you need to keep replenishing the pipeline. Connect and sell. Welcome to the end of dialing as you know it. Connect and Sell's patented technology loads your best sales folks up with eight to 10 times more live qualified conversations every day. And when we say qualified, we're talking about really qualified, like knowing what kind of cheese they like on their impossible Whopper kind of qualified. Learn more at connectandsell.com. Never miss an episode. Go to any of your favorite podcast venues and search for Market Dominance Guys or go to marketdominanceguys.com and subscribe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.